Welcome to the Hero Shot Podcast, brought to you by Butter. Today we bring you a conversation between Judson Morgan and Adam Heist. Judson is our Chief Creative Officer at Butter and a serial entrepreneur building eight-figure brands in the e-commerce space. Adam Heist comes from a Fortune 300 background and now runs multiple seven-figure e-com brands as well as a popular e-commerce YouTube channel. In this episode, Judson and Adam discuss why brand storytelling and content creation are the two most critical pieces of the puzzle in the next era of Amazon. The conversation wraps up with powerful reasons why story should be your number one priority when building an Amazon brand. If you're ready to take your brand's story and content to the next level, go to butter.la slash e-commerce. Let's jump in. Well, we're excited to have Adam Heist. I mean, that is like the coolest name ever. You get that all the time, right? Uh, yeah, I think it, it, the, the last name is actually not my real name, but I'm like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something cool. I, you know, let's come up with something interesting. So That's what so, I wondered. Know, okay. Heist is kind of like, you know, taking your life back, kind of taking it in your own hands and like, you know, it's got that kind of fun vibe. So, but appreciate it. It's a manufactured, it's my, it's my LA acronym. So I love it. I love it. That's, we should all have, we should all have those fake names. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of an actor who's got a, but anyway, um, we've got Adam on the show today. Super excited. Adam, could you give us uh, you know, like a minute or two intro? So we kind of have context for the conversation today. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'm a reformed kind of corporate guy. So I, I come from, you know, a decade plus in kind of the buttoned up Fortune 300 world. Um, so spent a ton of time there. Transitioned about four years ago into this kind of physical product space. We actually acquired a brand, kind of a small outdoor brand at the time. It's since grown into a nine figure business, but got kind of tapped on the shoulder to come help run that. And it was physical products. It was doing business in China. It was selling in retail stores, e-commerce, Amazon, all that stuff. And through that experience, I just discovered this amazing phenomenon called the Amazon channel, right? And just how special it is. So kind of got the itch to um, to, to take advantage of the opportunity myself. So I've since built out uh, two brands from scratch myself that I own 100%. Uh, actually just launched a uh, so one's, uh, home goods, one sporting goods. And then launched a supplement brand into the knife fight that is supplements uh, earlier in the year uh, with a partner. And then I've got kind of some minority partnerships and a couple others. And then I'm also a, uh, a partner in a software company uh, oriented around Amazon called Cellrise. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Kind of started out corporate world and you know deep dove into physical products, which kind of spun into Amazon and just kind of been uh, doubling down on Amazon the last three years and pushing the chips in just because it's, I think, the opportunity of our lifetime. So. Yep. I feel the same way. It's an interesting, there's so much opportunity, but when you, when you really look at what's the, the 80, 20 here, you just, that the answer just keeps coming back yep. Amazon. Right. So it's like, it's, it's interesting. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I love how you come out of the gate with like, yeah, nine figures, nine, nine figure brand, no biggie. <laughs> um, everyone's like, yeah, I'm a six figure. I'm a six figure. I'm a seven figure. We all want to be seven-figure sellers. Adam's like, boom, nine figures. Um, I know, I know, you're partial owner of that or yeah. whatever, but that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that takes a village on that one. But yeah, it's it's it, honestly because I've seen it all. Right, I've got I've got a brand that does you know fifteen grand a month, a new supplement brand. I've got some seven-figure brands, and then there's the the behemoth one that's kind of a much larger enterprise. The 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 moving parts are the same. It's just the scale and scope is a little bit different, but. Yeah. Um, the, the almost like going to Vegas, like you're, you're playing with chips at a poker table. You know, some, some of the tables are $50 chips some of the tables are $50,000 chips and it, but it's very similar mechanics, same decision-making kind of same core concepts, which I think makes it incredibly fun to scale. Cause it's, uh, it's very similar across each of those brands. So when you, when you think about core concepts for the creative side of e-commerce brands, so we're talking about photos and videos and a plus content and you know to some extent social media maybe amazon posts all the different pieces of the creative aspect of telling your story being a brand that you know the digital shelf right um when you yep. think about that in a nine-figure brand and a brand new brand or a supplement or home goods or these different do you think about all those things in the same way are there differences or similarities or is it all kind of you know one process yeah, I think I, I think the table stakes are different. Um, you know, I think if you're an omni-channel retail brand that has a national presence and you've got retailers to feed and you've got a broader brand and audience and you've got teams of people, I think the content 
and to your table stakes is a lot greater. Like you've got to bring a lot more of a uh, heavy creative influence and brand sort of the table. I think what's interesting about Amazon, just in terms of entry point and as well as how you can be successful is, is that it doesn't take much on the Amazon front. I think it's still critically important and I'm sure we'll get into this, but um, most of your successful Amazon error seller, sellers that kind of came up in the you know 2015 to 2018 range, they suck at creative. They suck at brand. Their listings yeah. are kind of, you know, nothing yeah. to write home to mom about their brands suck, but they had, you know, for lack of a better word, the balls to kind of push the chips in. Um, they had an understanding of supply chain, how to get stuff from China. You know, they were willing to go place a $20,000 PO and kind of roll with it. And they had first mover advantage and that first mover advantage gave them rank. It was a lot easier to enter. They got, you know, early uh, review volume that kind of snowballed. So I think a lot of that era of Amazon sellers, which we're just kind of starting to see uh, inclinations of that going away, um, they're not great at creative. So I think for Amazon, for me, while you don't need to have that omni-channel nine-figure brand, you know, licensing music and, and kind of paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for production um, for, for broader uh, content, Amazon, you can you can really just do a couple degrees better than a lot of these folks are doing, and it can have really phenomenal impacts. So I think for me, it's a critical piece of the puzzle. It's probably, I think, one of the linchpins to my strategy, and I think it will be uh, a key underlier for anybody that's successful in, in the next era of Amazon. Um, but the cool thing about it is, is it's like its entry point is not very significant. Uh, you know, for a thousand dollars, you can get really, really impressive creative assets that are eons above what everyone else is doing. And that investment payback is like, you know, very measurable. You can look at it in terms of CTR, a cost, all that. It's like, you know, sub six weeks versus the traditional world that requires bigger production value. You know, you might spend a million bucks on a commercial and you'll never really be able to quantify that. So long winded answer, yeah. but I think it's, I think it's key. And I think it's, it doesn't take much on the Amazon front to be successful with it, in my view. No, you, you, you spoke to the entire point of this podcast and the reason that we're creating this podcast and having these conversations is because I think they're, we're at that inflection point where, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe a year ago to, you know, a year from now will be the inflection point where it's like, you can't just have a crappy brand and crappy products and crappy listings and rank and win with giveaways and all the different things that were happening a few years ago. Now you need to really, you know, re really have a story and a brand and uh, images that really, you know, differentiate you from the other products that are right there that are the exact same or that whatever. Um, and I think we're at this point where yeah. I th the reason I want to have these conversations with people like you now is because um, I think we're at the point where it is essential and it is a, there, so the other side of it is there's a lot of Chinese sellers coming in who do not excel at this. And yep. so us, us folks here yep. who are native, you know, native to whatever country, but like we can understand um, the, the how to tell the story and the kind of creative that we should do in a way that will help to um, – because they're going to beat us on price. Right. So that's sort of the yep. thesis behind this podcast. And so you sort of spoke to that. And I think that's awesome is um, you're, it sounds like you're feeling that um, it is it's, an, it, it, it's it's an opportunity. It's a massive opportunity. To to be a brand that actually yeah. focuses on it. Yeah, 100 percent. So like the world that I like to play in and I think that this could be kind of a model for a lot of folks moving forward is. You've got your traditional big brand players that likely started in retail. They've since kind of become digitally um, sophisticated because they've had to as retailers of closed doors and things like that. But they're still primarily, they're never going to be great at Amazon, right? Like they've got creative teams. They likely have an agency of record. They're doing full on productions. Like they've got really good quality stuff, um, but they haven't quite kind of cracked the Amazon nut. And frankly, if you're selling in a retail store, if you're selling at Best Buy, or REI or whatever the, the, the brand name is, um, they are taking call it 30 to 50 point margins off of your product. So they literally, and because of MS or map rules where you got to keep your prices certain, they can't sell for what they need to be, need to be on Amazon to have a compelling offer from a price standpoint. So they're, they're surviving purely based on brand searches. On the flip side of that, I think that you've got these truly Amazon native brands a lot of which have optimized the supply chain. They may be Chinese sellers. 
where they just they have everything dialed. They're willing to take slimmer margins and they play the volume game. And, and they just they gain rank based on volume. They understand keywords and they optimize stuff. But their brand might be XLGUO, you know, with like weird like photos, yes. like onto a stock image that just kind of looks a little bit weird. But their price is compelling. They have a thousand reviews. Like I'll take a shot on it, even though it's 30 bucks versus 70 versus somebody else. I, th- I think for me and, and kind of the angle I'm looking to play, and I think that the biggest opportunity for longevity in the Amazon game now and to a certain degree e-commerce is those brands that can kind of throttle both those worlds really well. And what I mean by that is optimize supply chain so that they're they're kind of smart about costs and expenses. They may not be as cheap as somebody in China that are optimizing things, but they have a decent amount of skills on the operation side. They have a deep, deep, deep understanding of the mechanics that uh, are successful on platforms like Amazon. So they understand keyword research and it's not 10 keywords, it's 500 keywords they need to worry about. They understand how to optimize and do SEO and kind of index for stuff. They understand the pay-per-click mechanics, things like that. But what they can also bring to the table is a legitimate brand presence um, using some of the creative tools and strategies and marketing approaches of the bigger brands, but doing it at a much more arbitrage basis. So instead of paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for creative, they can do it with a couple thousand bucks. But they're focused on the customer archetype. They understand their customers. They weave that into the SEO, into the Amazon native stuff. And I think that you're not going to win those customers that just want the cheapest thing with 2,000 reviews and they're willing to take the weird photograph from XLGUO brand. And um, and you're not necessarily going to win the people that are pure play. I only want XYZ brand that I know of from a retail store. But you can take a chunk of both pretty significantly uh, and kind of earn that, that share of voice that, that kind of covers that middle gap. And frankly, it's more fun to participate in that. It's, it's brands that you're proud of. It's products you're proud yeah. of. You've got pricing that's premium, so you don't always have to play the pricing game. Um, so for me, it's the, that's the funnest way to tackle this. And it just happens to be, in my view, um, kind of the formula that I believe is going to be this kind of generation three of Amazon sellers that are going to be successful here over the, over the next two to four years. I agree a hundred percent. Um, and it's, it's cool that you mentioned that it's fun. It's more fun to build a brand. It's more fun to have products you're proud of and that, that, you know, you can only grind so long money, you know, just the grind for money is there's so much more to life and the satisfaction of going out and being like, man, I'm, I'm like, when I have a product in one of my brands that I like, can't wait to give to my friend or like somebody comes over and we have some samples and yep. it's like, and they, and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like real things that real people love a brand that people love. There's, there's something very satisfying about that. Yeah. You, you know, as human beings. Totally agree. Yeah. One of my, like, I have all these like one liner items that I always kind of keep in the back of my head for certain things. And kind of when I check myself on, on kind of why I'm doing a particular thing or going after a product or, or whatever it may be, uh, it's, it's not only, how you achieve success or or it's not only achieving success, but how you do it. So like the process and how you accomplish something to me is equally as important as the outcome. And I think part of that is doing stuff that you believe in doing stuff that you're proud of doing stuff that serves a customer archetype. It just, there's something about it that just makes it more fun. I don't know how to describe it, but I think the how you do something is important as what you do for sure. So when you think about building a brand and it sounds like you've done it a couple times in the last few years, um, a brand story and the actual assets that articulate that brand, where, where do you go? Walk me through that process. And I know, you know, there's a, you could probably talk for a half hour. So we'll, we'll try to like pinpoint some things, but you know what I mean? Let's, let's go for a, what do you, where do you start? What are the sort of uh, what's, and what's the process you might go through to tell the brand story and then articulate that through assets? Yeah, for sure. So, so the home goods one is not like a, a formula for how I do it now, although we've kind of backed into more of a customer archetype in, in kind of reverse, but it started a little bit more about like, Hey, I've seen this stuff at like West Elm and this stuff at Pottery Barn. And like, I think we could do something there. How does the data look on Amazon? Um, so home goods is a little bit, not like, it's like not one central customer per se. So that one's a little bit more of a blend. Um, although we're kind of starting to back into a story on that. The sporting goods one for me was really easy. It was kind of a, something that I'm super passionate about. So I am the customer archetype. I think that's probably the easiest way to start if you haven't done it before. 
Because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I come from being much more of a business guy like this, like marketing foo-foo shit. Like when I used to deal with agencies in the past, I'd be like, I can't, I want to like shoot myself in the head that we're paying these guys a million bucks to do this stuff because it's stupid. But like, it's not all foo-foo and I've kind of, I've come to learn that through some of this stuff. So, so I think the easiest way to start is ideally something that you really care about that you know, because you know where those customers are. You're the customer, you know what their journey's like. And for me, it's just about identifying who that customer is and then just following them on on the products that they come across in their journey, whether they're new to this space or their kind of experience. Oftentimes, it's a pretty linear path a lot of times. Like you buy one thing, which leads to you to this thing, which leads you to four other things. So so for, for on the sporting goods front, for me, it was, it was literally just that. I'm the customer. I know the things that people buy. I know the things, the brands that they buy that are name brands. I know the, the Amazon players that are doing well. And I would spot gaps that way. Uh, the supplement brand is very similar, right? Like I would never go in and just compete on, you know, vitamin D supplements. Like I don't want to participate in that knife fight. It's just not the game I want to play. This one is a very, very, very specific customer segment that has a very niche channel opportunity where we can access them very easily and they will be repeat buyers and it's isolated. Now we're not going to do, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month on every product, but like the margins are deep. We don't have to, it's a lot easier to rank them. So again, very, very centric on a particular customer archetype and channel. So, so I think it's just really like, it's easiest if it's you, I, I would just start there. And then it's really just kind of looking at the path that those customers go on, the products that are part of that journey where do they hang out? Where do they talk? What are the big name brands in the space doing to you know target those customers and serve them? What do the Amazon kind of brands do? And then equally important, what what's different that you can bring to the table? Like even if it's the same customer, the same kind of industry you're targeting, like what is your your angle? Because I think that's equally important. And then uh, and then just kind of tapping into the Amazon know-how and data. I think that's what's super cool about Amazon is. You can really see mathematically what's happening in a particular space in terms of revenue. You can under, have a pretty healthy idea of what it would take to be successful. And then, you know, you get 80% confident and you push the chips in and just see what happens. And oftentimes it works out. So, yeah. And, and, um, there's a few things I want to pick up from that, but the, um, once you get going, your then you can test and split test and try things and say, okay, right. Do you sure. split test your main images, for example? Yeah, I do a lot. Um, the most of the work happens up front, like pre-launch. Um, I think that the listing image is almost as important as the product, to be honest. And it, I, like, yep. I've come to this realization over the last like 14 months. But literally, a listing image could, like, regardless of your differentiation, your price, how many reviews you have, taking advantage of that 0.7 seconds to be inspiring enough for somebody to click on your listing Um really is is something that if you get that right, your cost per clicks are cheaper, your organic rank goes up, you get more traffic, you ultimately get more conversions, you get more conversions, you get more reviews, you get more reviews, your rank goes up, you get more traffic. It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. And I do think that the listing image is one of those things. So I think that there's a, a lot of thought that goes into the crafting and the creation of the listing image up front uh, and being super thoughtful. This is not a you afterthought. This is something that really should take a couple hours of like yeah. deep thought, looking at other people. Do I want the lighting to be, do I want this to be 3d? Do I want it to be in someone's hands? How do I like the, the angle of it, the color, the shine, the space? Do I want to have a box in there? Like it, it's deep contemplation. Do you have an example of like a main image tip or something? You, you anything that you've done recently that was like, Oh my gosh, this completely changed the game. Yeah, so I think there's 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 probably two or three. I think one is, um, I do think that there's really incredible three D realistic stuff that you can do with with products that you wouldn't even think of. So as an example, I'm coming up with an apparel item for for one of my sporting goods companies. Like that doesn't seem like something you'd three D. It's more like something that you if you had an electronic piece that was like in CAD already, then you'd kind of throw that in three D. But they can like three D apparel now. It just like you can get it there's so much optionality with it and it just looks so freaking good. It's even with really incredible studio photography, it's hard to replicate that. So I think 3d is one thing that I think people should pay attention to. And if you find the right, right shops, I think they can do incredible work. I would say the other thing that I like to do is I love to throw in sometimes if you've got um, kind of a diverse set of propositions with your product that are really hard to visually reveal with just the product itself. 
um, having the box in a in, in in the background or something like that. Again, three D rendered the box. Um, you can really kind of craft and share why this product's compelling with the box image. And then I would say in certain categories like home goods is an example where Amazon's pretty loose with terms of service on you don't necessarily need to have the white background and all stuff. So um, I think thinking about models in those spaces where you can get away with having a model in it and like even testing models, like I've, I literally had a, a product that was like doing okay. And then we flipped to like this blonde model and it wasn't like your cheesy, like Eastern European stock photo that you see on a lot of Amazon listings. It was like a legit good looking down the middle, like, you know, attractive woman that women would find attractive and men obviously would find attractive. And like, it just was ballistic on that. It was like two times the CTR. And it was that on the main image. Yeah. Main image. Yep. Yeah. And then okay. 3d rendering and then boxes. I think those are three that have been pretty compelling. Yeah. One of our, so, you know, our agency butter, we create photo and video assets for, for um, Amazon brands. And um, one of our, one of our secrets, right. Is we're in Los Angeles, so we have the greatest models in the world here, right? Models and actors and whatever. So that's one of our secrets yeah. is really authentic, you know, just very good actors, yes. attractive people that want to be, that you want to look at, that you want to click on. And, um, and I, I do agree yep. with you that the main image is, is I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive part of the equation of this, this game, whether you're on your own website or on Amazon, especially on Amazon, because there's 10 other main images right there or, or eight or whatever. Can you speak to that 0.7 seconds? Is that something that is like out there in the ethos that I haven't heard that 0.7 seconds thing before? Is that some psychological study that you uh, heard about that we, we look at the main image for seven seconds or 0.7? No, no, I, I honestly, the number is a little bit like just off the top of my head. I, I, another way to maybe think about it is scroll stopper. Like uh, this is kind of why I'm not necessarily afraid of, of higher review volume niches or niches where the prices are really low, because I think that it's not only just the listing images, it's everything wrapped together. But I think the listing image is the Trojan horse to it. But if you get the listing image right, the general vibe and feel of the name of your brand is cool. Like you, you, you can stand out amongst people that have multiples more reviews yeah. than you and that may be significantly lower price. I mean, I've gotten away with selling a product for 40 or $50 more than the nearest competitor. Um, and I think it is because sometimes people just want a compelling brand and premium, especially if I've also found this too, if, if somebody's buying something for somebody else, oftentimes they don't want to have the lowest price. Uh, or something that feels a little bit weird, right? Like they just don't want to take that risk because their name is representing this gift that they're passing on to somebody else. So there's some human psychology there, but for me, it's just about what can you do to when someone's zipping down that first page of Amazon and, and you're kind of scanning, scanning the pages of a human being, what's going to make you stop? A, pay attention to, and then, and then B, click. Um, I just think that process is is a, a core part of not only competing on Amazon, but competing in a way where you can sell for a higher price and you can get away with not having as many reviews. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, Thrasio tells a story of a brand, um, I think it's called Angry Orange, yep, yep. that they bought. And then they, um, you know the story? All they yep. did was re-fix yep. up the packaging. Yep. And so, and they like tripled it or quadrupled the sales. And um so I think it's an area of it's an area of interest of ours as an agency where some some folks will be like, um, there's only so much you can do with the main image like the things you described. Yeah. But if you go back and you actually redesign the packaging, um, then you have kind of unlimited, right? So so we yep. will look at the field and if it's like every single product here is blue and yellow, yep. Then you know you're like, hey, let's do a let's do an orange. Yep. Let's do an orange orange packaging. We will yeah. stand out for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that type of idea. And, and you can also put something behind it's against TOS, but put something behind there, like the flowers, if it's yep. a Jasmine scented, whatever you're going to, you have the Jasmine sitting there, even though that's not really part of it, you can do those kinds of tips and tricks as well, which I'm sure you've seen, right. Or, or badges. Have you seen like yep. people put the badges on there, which is completely against TOS. Yep. But, um, what do you do that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like it, it, again, it depends oftentimes on the um, on the category you're in. Like, I've tried certain stuff where it's like you know they really do enforce the white background stuff, and I've thrown yeah. tried to throw in like logo badging on because I 
a lot of my brands, I think have interesting logos that like legitimize the brand and then they'll like, they might last for a month and then they get clipped. I think the cool thing for me about like tweaking some of these creative assets, specifically the listing image on the spectrum of Amazon crimes, you know, like call it like review manipulation being like the equivalent of first degree murder. Tweaking photos is like jaywalking. It's like the worst that's going to happen is they're going to suppress your listing. They're going to send you a notice. And it's like, okay, have a backup and always at the ready that has a white background and you can throw it up in 20 minutes and then you're back in business. So it's like, you're not really harming your account. At worst, you're going to go down if you're paying attention and have alerts set up and stuff like that. You'll go down for 30 minutes. So heck yeah, I'll do that all day long. I'll, I'll, I'll get away. I'll jaywalk as many times as possible. Yeah. If I have to take my $20 fines here and there, whatever. Um, it, but the the payback in terms of yeah. CTR, lower clicks, the kind of money that you make is worth the risk and it, it's pretty minimal. So I definitely do. I'll, I'll get away with as much as I can. And sometimes you got to you walk it back and you're going to get to find that balance. And it's category specific, but uh, but yeah, I think it's it's for me it's a, a core part of the game. Don't mind jaywalking. So um, very cool. So I think we're totally in agreement that the main image is a massively important thing that everyone should be testing. Everyone should. I am a big believer in split testing. Then split testing when you get to different levels of ranking, different levels of so your competition yep. on page two looks completely different than your competition on page one. It might the game might change. Once you get up there, then it's like, oh, wait, that other image. So we try with the box, with the lid on, with the lid off, with the thing lit, with the thing, you know, and all these different options, 3D, you know, uh, you know, a photo. And then you get to, you start ranking really well, you get to a thousand reviews and then suddenly you're in a different ball game. And like you said, you might be able to raise the price by 10 bucks and you might be able to do this. So I think all of those things, there are, most sellers are leaving so much on the table in that sort of game right there. And, and, and if you're not an obsessive Amazon person like you and I, you don't, you're like, you know, we build this listing. It's great. It's selling pretty well. I mean, we're doing fine. We're doing good. But then you slowly, it erodes away, right? It erodes away. Somebody else comes in, a competitor comes in, does this little thing. And so we had a competitor come in with a very similar product on one of my brands and they added a, um, a full on like logo type. So they added it like it was part of the uh, product on top of the product, like almost like it was wrapped around the product, um, like a, like a, like a sash kind of around the product, but with this design on it that like yeah. spoke to the yeah. benefits. It, and, and then I, I bought yeah. it to see what was going on. That didn't, that wasn't part of it at all. It was just literally just, they Photoshopped it on there and it was genius. My thought, my immediate yep. thought was, this is one of the aggregators. These people, these people know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, I mean, this kind of goes back to me in terms of like how you can win on Amazon or at least find your own pocket of success is kind of what I love about Amazon is it's really is a relatively easy business to run in many respects. There's parts of it that are really difficult and incredibly stressful, but it's work in bursts. And I think what that's done, especially for legacy sellers, is Amazon sellers are lazy. Like your competition is lazy. Your comp like we have the luxury aside from like digitally native e-commerce brands that need to understand email, that need to understand Facebook ads, and they run 20 different Facebook ads to hone down their CTR to get to a conversion rate that makes sense. And then they're doing the same with Google ads. Like they're running the gamut. It's a much more sophisticated, difficult game to play to be successful. Whereas on Amazon, you understand a couple core concepts, you do a couple core things right, and you can be really successful. I think what that breeds is a certain degree of complacency from many folks and many sellers. And I think that an advantage for sellers that want to take this to the next level. And and again, when I say this, people kind of get scared, like, oh, this is so much work and I'm scared. I don't know how to do video or creative like this. I'm talking about little things like Okay, Amazon now and brand registry is giving you the chance to A-B test. Why don't you, for the next three months, try four different images? Like that's not rocket science, but that could literally eke out significantly more rank and earnings for you. Um, why don't you spend a thousand bucks on a video and just kind of like look and see what that happens and does to your A cost? Like I'm telling you from Asian sellers down to sophisticated sellers that are doing eight figures a year that came out of the 2016 era to like other people that are in your space or to like big brands that literally have some 
dude out of college or, or chick out of college that's making 70 grand a year or 60 grand a year or whatever it is, like running the e-com channel, they don't give a shit about Amazon. They're not paying attention to this stuff. There's a huge advantage of that you can take um, if you just do a couple little things. So for me, I think that's awesome. Like the fact that a lot of people don't do it and focus on it, I think it can create a, a tremendous amount of opportunity. But A-B testing is easy to do and it pays massive dividends when you do it. And Amazon made it easier than ever to test. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they're giving us more and more tools, internal tools to test. Obviously there's other tools that we can use to test, or you can just, you can just check your own conversion rate for the two weeks prior, change the image and then check it again. You can, you can, uh, you can, you can test a plus content through Amazon's portals and stuff like that. But, um, how do you get your videos made first of all, and do you use them? Where do you use them? Yeah, so I think um, I, I've really just in the last six months started to deep dive into video um, and, and kind of the power of it. So uh, I think we're still a little bit in first mover advantage. I think it's going to slowly kind of peel away, but I think it's massive. I, I just think if you look at if you look at the real estate opportunities for where your product can show up, there's the masthead on sponsored products. There's typically those four buckets, three to four buckets of sponsored pay per click. The next layer, then you have your three or four organic, and then oftentimes the next one sponsored video, uh, even before editorial recommendations, all this yeah. stuff. So like you can literally take up four spots of like three tiers down from the top of search. So your top of search, you basically take out an entire column. Um, so for me, it's phenomenal. I think that um, I personally see about four to five X click-through rates on my video. Um, so what I've been doing is, is like, say I've got like 50 keywords that really matter that are relevant to the product. There may be 500 total, but 50, I go individual word video and I dump as I'll spend as much money as humanly possible that they can give me for impressions. Cause it's just like, it's, it's printing money. Mm -hmm. It literally is like put a dollar in, get $3 back. So I, I think it's massive. Um, I don't even think that the creative needs to be that good. I think that there's obviously things that you can do to make it much more impactful, um, but even like going into like Canva or uh, some of these software tools and like even plugging in good photography and having kind of good like movement, that's even enough to have a pretty big impact. And then if you want to step it up a layer more and throw in some lifestyle video and some more compelling yeah. kind of traditional ads, it just takes it to the next level. So 100% yes, I think it's massive. Uh, I think that people that do it can make a whack load of money and it has a massive impact on the, on the business. And again, going back to the laziness of Amazon sellers and skill set gaps that exist in, uh, in non-Western kind of sellers, I think it's, it's a huge opportunity and something that makes, makes a ton of money. Yeah, I agree. We've seen the same thing. And um, I think, you know, creative is a massive opportunity. Uh, like we talked about sort of high level, but then within that video is, 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 like over the last, what, six months has been the spot to that's, that's been the opportunity. Obviously you have to have an incredible main image that you're, it's really converting. Cause if you don't, you know, um, you have that, then the other option is that one sponsored video spot, which is, you know, if you're scrolling on your mobile device on, on Amazon, on the app, like that is a massive placement. I mean, you, it is scroll stopping no matter what. Yes. And and I agree, it doesn't yep. have to be great creative. It doesn't have to be great. Like we have some things that we do as an agency that, um, you know, are are super important for that video spot. One of them is, you know, it, you need to show the product right away because um, the, the, the customer is going to be gone. If, if the, it's not there exactly, we know what we're looking at here. And there's a reason I'm looking at this video. Either it's showing it in motion or it's, it's, um, it's showing some aspect of it. It's giving a little bit of information with text or some benefit. Um, that kind of stuff needs to happen right away before they scroll past. But I'll tell you, Adam, we had, we ran a split yep. test on two styles of videos. One. And so we, we ran a split test with the exact same keywords and um, exact same bids. And the only difference was the, the actual video itself, the creative. And we, we did like a butter, what we call like a butter style. So like, cinematic this is not this isn't like a corporate commercial it's not like a normal commercial it's almost it's almost like a mix of like youtube vibes like very cool product video um with lifestyle imagery like we shot here in the beach of malibu um it's just kind of epic you know nice actually no 
No, no, that, I'm thinking about the wrong one. We didn't shoot this one. It, it was a home goods product. We shot it in a, in a, in a beautiful home. But um, anyway, it, but it was very cinematic and cool. Like it's a, it's a resting, like you, wherever you saw this video, you would stop and watch it. And we, we, we set that against yeah. like a more basic one. That's kind of like just the product demo, like hands with opening the product, very yeah. simple. Right. And the, uh, and Amazon, and, and so we, we started them at the same time, whatever. And the, the cinematic one just completely dominated. So it's, it's your, it's your, I think your point is completely right. That if you aren't doing video, don't let that cinematic thing scare you. Just get started and do video. Yeah. But if you, if you're, if you have the wherewithal, if you're a nine figure brand, if you're, if you're a, a seven figure brand, you know, start getting into, you know, really optimizing because, you know, you know, six months from now, it's not going to be a gold mine. It's going to be much more expensive. It's going to be exactly. harder. Right. Right. So we might as well get ahead of the game. That's my theory here is that, um, you can't, you can't rest. Right. And so we have already noticed yeah. that those when you, when you have really good creative, it does actually, it does actually make a difference. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I have a creative agency and like, if, if we didn't, if that didn't work, it would be a bummer, but, but, but honestly, we've ran these split yeah. tests multiple times. Um, and, uh, and it's proven out that, that it does work. So it's, it's, so it's cool. And by the way, so it's like, okay, you're going to spend 2,500 bucks on a video. You're going to spend a thousand bucks on a, on a, on a basic video. I, I totally agree. That's, that's doable. You're going to spend 2,500 on one that's a little more cinematic and cool. And you have a, a cool model from LA. Yep. You're going to, that thing yep. pays for itself, depending on the traffic, depending on the, like you, that specific product, how much it's selling, it's going to pay for itself in a, in two weeks, in a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I mean, that's, and I think that's what I've, I've started being this drum on the photography side, but I think in the near future, it's going to be the precise same thing for video, which is people just get like freaked out about, well, I can, you know, I can pay somebody 300 bucks and they can do a studio shot in China and then they can superimpose it. And it's like, I'm off to the races for 300 bucks. And you can sometimes get away with that. Like some, some of them are actually quite good and, and you can pull it off, but but it's it's funny, like I always kind of say this thing, it's like it's expensive to be cheap. And it's so true when it comes yeah. to creative assets in the sense that and you just nailed it. Like let's say I'm spending two hundred bucks a day on these campaigns or five hundred bucks a day, you pick the number. Like for simple math, let's say you're spending hundred bucks. Let's say that your A cost goes from thirty-five percent to twenty percent. So you're saving fifty fifteen percent on all your conversions. You're spending hundred bucks a day, you just run the math up. Uh, and you just you just nailed it, right? Like it doesn't take you but two months in that case, which is a pretty conservative case if you're not even spending that much money to pay it off. And that thing will live on forever and you can recut it, you can repurpose it, you can do it in Amazon Post, you can do like, there's a, a lot of ways to chop that stuff up. So, so yeah, I, mean, I, I, I look at like the hierarchy right now is the people that aren't doing video ads. Uh, that's kind of one. The next layer is, I would call it kind of like your foreign seller that does really cheesy video animations that are just recuts of their shitty photos from their listing that like swap yeah. in with really bad fonts and stuff like that. But those are still getting lots of clicks and lots of viewership and they're, they're doing oh, yeah. well. Oh yeah. The next layer is something that like juices it up and is using like an Animoto template or a Canva template and has actually good photography, but it's animated. And then I think um, the next tier for me, uh, I think the fourth tier is kind of what you're talking about, which is cinematography. And I, people make it seem like it's scary. It really isn't, but like that's the, I think where it needs to go. But I've even done stuff where it's like take really good photography, like have I've got like a decent light and all this stuff in a Sony camera, so I, I'm lucky. But this is whatever it's twelve hundred bucks worth of stuff, and like I've done stuff with good lighting on my own. That's just like it's not super pro, but it looks pretty damn good. And then I've also weaved in like uh, ArtGrid.io is one service I use, which is like has like really phenomenal cinematography. I use it mainly for my sporting goods brand, so it's like yep. you'll have product shots you know, weaved in with good product imagery with good kind of words. And then you'll basically have somebody doing a sport that looks like a friggin' Nike commercial. You can't see the product, but you like people are correlating like, okay, this is what people are doing with the product. And this looks like a freaking Nike commercial, even if I can't see the product and then go back to the product. So I think there's also ways to, to efficiently tackle the cinematography angle by weaving in some of these like stock assets that I think that it's a cool era to be involved as a, as a digital marketer because we have awesome licensed music, really cheap licensed, like pro grade 
cinematic cuts yep. that you can yep. weave in. And then inexpensive folks like yourself where, hey, I can drop a couple grand and get LA style stuff to weave it in and top it off. So I think each one of those mixes is, is kind of ways that you can kind of step up the chain a little bit. And each one's beneficial right now. Uh, and yeah. again, the sooner and faster you can get higher up the chain, I think the more effective it's going to be for budget and the more ahead of the game we're going to be when the pendulum you know, flips here in the next you know couple of years. And the one step beyond that is videos that, so you do, you do videos for all your products and you know, that, that can be somewhat simple. Like some of the things you're talking about, some stock footage, maybe you do one big shoot for, you know, eight products or three products or whatever, right? You get, you hire that model once you get into a cool location, you do that all once and you get a bunch of assets and then you, so those are all sort of that, that tier that you're talking about. Then the tier beyond that is that brand film where it's like, you, you go to the brand store on Amazon and it's like, tells the story who you are why you started this brand. It shows lifestyle imagery from all those different shoots that you had, or that one shoot that had all those different products in it. And so that's something that we've seen. That's like the next step, right? Where you're yep. like, wow, this is a full, full on brand. Cause if you, my, my brands get a lot of repeat buyers and because we're doing this brand story, because that's my skill set, right? I didn't come from corporate like you. I came from creative. I came yep. from, you know, I was an actor and a filmmaker and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I came from to business from a creative mindset. And by the way, I'd, I'd love to have this sort of macro convo really quick. Maybe we can bracket a macro macro convo about that that business is really just creative problem solving and storytelling, 100%. dude. Yep. Right. Hundred percent. Yep. I I had this realization. I was like, oh my gosh, my skill set as a creative is actually like perfect. Yep. Like you know what I mean. Um, so, so that's been really fun and I, I would love for you to speak to that. But I think that that sort of next stage where you're like really creating content around your brand, right? Yeah. Not just the products. And then, and then they're going to this product and looking at this one and they're coming back and buying more. And then I get emails every day like, oh my gosh, I love one of my brands has a give back message. Like, you know, Tom, Tom's yeah. shoes type of thing. So I get mess. I get emails at least three times a week, four times a week. It's like, man, so thank you for what you're doing. Um, I, you know, I love, I, I bought on Amazon and then I went to your website to buy it the second time. Cause I just wanted to support you guys. Like when you build a brand like that, it starts to really snowball. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. For me, like going, going to like that business thing, first of all, I think business is creative. I think it is art. I, I think it is. I mean, you're literally building something that doesn't exist. And for me, much like creative problems or business problems or whatever the case may be, it's, it's really about taking, or even a song if you're a musician, right? It's like taking this riff and like, how do I build that into a chorus and how do the lyrics play into this and what's the emotion to it? But it's, it's stitching together all these disparate parts and mm-hmm. weaving that in together so that the sum of all these things when stitched together eloquently like create something special and it kind of becomes its own organism. I, I look at business in that way, much like stitching together a really good kind of video clip or whatever else. It's like operations to like the cash flow challenges to the people side of things and hiring people to the customer and then having a product that means something, solving a problem. Like how do I tell this visually? Like all those kind of elements coming together for me is it's, it's super cool. And it's, it's, it's my art for art form now. And I think it's going to be, yeah, if you like building stuff, like there's no better way to do that than to fuse it into a business. So I think that's great. I love it. You hear all these businesses where it's like beta and VHS, you know, like they were battling it out and like um, beta was a better product. If it was just pure, like you're going to technically it works better or whatever, but VHS, am I totally dating myself? No, I I'm, I'm with you, man. You're with it. Okay. <laughs> you're like, you're like, what's, you're like, what's beta? <laughs> no, what's VH what? Uh, VH1, no VHS. So, so there were these two, I got it. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. There are these two t- kind of tapes that existed before CDs and DVDs, and um, and VHS one, right? And I don't know all the details, but I, you know, I'm imagining it's like they just were better at telling their story, whether it was a financial story or a you know product story or whatever. But Beta turned out was the better technology, but they lost. So I think I think you're right. It's a very interesting business is a very interesting creative endeavor where it's like creative in the finance side, creative in the people side, creative in the brand and the product and the story. And, um, what's interesting about it for me too, is, is the, 
is what a story or, or, or a deeper meaning unlocks across your business. So like I'll, I'll use a couple examples. One, when I approach vendors, uh, I do this a lot with my sporting goods company because that's where I'm pushing a lot of my chips in at the moment. Um, and I'll basically just, hey, here's the brand. Here's what we're doing. We're the leading, uh, one of the leading companies in the U.S. for this category. This is what we think could happen with this product. The conversation on samples, on the pricing, on what they're willing to give up to lock arms with me as a partner, as a vendor, changes when they hear the brand story versus just some other asshole messaging them from Alibaba, right? When you go to yes. get financing, the financing conversation is completely yes. different. They're like, holy shit, okay, you're selling, your margins are 45? Oh, okay, like financing easier. When you try to get employees, whether it's domestic employees or you've got remote employees that you're bringing to the fold, they don't want to work for some stupid thing either. They want to work for something that's cool. So like it makes other – it lubricates the entire process of a business when you've got a story that underlies it across every dimension. So true, man. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm going nuts over here. That it, It's just – it makes – you know you know the, the, the book, The One Thing? I'm not familiar with it actually. You haven't heard of it? No. I check, check it out. It's an incredible book, but it gives you – it's sort of – the idea, I think Jeff Woods and um, he he wrote it with uh, the guys that started um, the big real estate company, whatever. Um, but the idea is that if is there one thing that if you do that, it makes everything else easier, unnecessary. So it's sort of similar to eighty twenty principle, but it's it's this idea of the one thing and story and having a brand story and um, kind of leading with story. So one of our philosophies at Butter is start with story. Cool. That's one of our foundational principles. When we get a new client, start with story. What is their story? Who? What is this brand? How can we can can each asset start with story? How does it? What is the story we're telling? Who's the avatar? All that kind of stuff that you were talking about earlier. Story is that one thing that lubricates everything. You're you're so right. It's like when you're pitching a, a, a conversation with a supplier, and you're like, "Hey, you know, I always start with my lead, my give back with that brand." It's like, hey, we're a brand that gives back with employees, with everybody. Just, I'm just repeating what you said because it's so golden. And if if people are thinking like, hey, I want to start a brand or whatever, like start with something you care about. Like what Adam said in the beginning, you, you're the avatar. That's, a, that's such a great piece of advice. If you want to start something, who, who are you? What do you care about? What products do you love? Yeah. You know, and go from the heart, go from a story, go from something that matters to you. Um, and, and then really articulate the story. Right. If it's vague, I think you said like your home goods brand, it's like, it's kind of there, but now you're, you're, you're going back and you're, you're, you're going to like make it more clear and more specific and more direct. Right. Yeah. But it's harder. It's, I mean, it's easier. Yeah. To start. It's, it's what I've learned through this process is, and the, and the big outdoors brand is all about that, which, you know, I, I should have just re-engineered that for the first brand, but like, and I'm still proud of what we're doing at the Home Goods brand, but it's just it's much more difficult to retroactively do it. If you start with serving a customer archetype first, it just it's, it makes everything easier. It's just the easiest way to put it. And you'll make more money doing it. And launches will be more effective. You'll have a better hit rate on probability of success with products that go out the door. And the snowball and that flywheel just kicks in a lot more uh, quickly from a momentum standpoint. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I think, I mean, we could... We could probably chat a lot longer. And I think uh, I, I really appreciate your wisdom coming from the corporate world because I came from the opposite place. And I, yep. and I really enjoy – Adam's got a really great YouTube channel. And you can you can give us the the link or wherever else you want us to connect with you. Um, but I but I, uh, this is a great conversation. And I think there is this – there's this macro story. There is the story that everyone's living. So when people are coming to Amazon.com, they're living a story and your product fits into their story. And if you can really understand that and connect, yep. um, you will, you're, you're going to trigger something in that 0.7 seconds where the psychology of that person is like, oh, that's the one, you know, yep. they understand me. Yep. They understand where I am in my story. My dog needs this uh, supplement because he's got an upset, you know, stomach or whatever it is like, oh, these people completely understood what I needed. Um and so, you know, it's a great conversation. Is there any last words of wisdom, any last things that we should cover? First of all, and we'd love to know how to connect with you and 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 send some people to your YouTube channel. Yeah, man, like I said, I, I think we're totally aligned in terms of how we see the world. I think it's number one, it's like we talked about, it's more fun to build 
build stuff that you believe in for people that you believe in. Um, and it just makes everything else easier, more, you know, the financial stuff that comes your way, the fun factor that comes your way. So I think we're 100% aligned. Uh, to that end, if you are an Amazon seller, um, I do talk about kind of broader business strategy, strategy stuff too, but it's primarily an Amazon channel. I'm uh, Adam Heist. If you just type in Adam Heist on YouTube, you'll find me. Uh, I think kind of similar to how I think about my brands. I've, I've thought about my kind of YouTube brand or personal brand in that way. It's like, how can I be different? How can I be the person that I wanted when I was starting out on Amazon? Like none of the bullshit trying to sell you stuff all the time or like giving you three super high level things and then click on this link to find out more where like that I don't go that way at all. I'm just kind of like, Hey, I'm going to reveal stuff that I've learned along the way. Um, you know, I reveal basically everything about my brand names and just kind of, here's what I do. Here's what I found that works. So if that's of interest to you, check me out, Adam Heist, uh, on YouTube. Um, otherwise again, I think the Amazon community is a pretty small world. So we'll, we'll kind of connect. Um, if you're looking for a cool software, yeah. sell rise is, is, uh, is something I'm, I'm a big believer in and building out too on the, on the kind of digital side. So, so yeah, man, that's me. It was an awesome time chatting with you and it's cool to, you know, hear a lot of people talking about this kind of stuff in the Amazon space. It's more like how do yeah. I do SEO and how do I do pay-per-click and like that stuff's kind of cool and fun too, but taking a step back and understanding what it all means and how it can all weave together, I think is really cool. And I'm excited to see where this podcast goes, man. It was a good chat with you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 nice to hear the encouragement that the podcast resonates with you. The idea, because I, I agree, there's a ton of podcasts in this space, and none none with this yeah. angle. Yeah. And this is our this is our thing. And I and I feel like it's 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 what the aggregators are understanding. At least the, the some some that I've heard talk is they understand a lot of things, but yeah. they're understanding that. Um, creative is a place that most sellers aren't focusing on. Yep. And it's why I wanted you on the podcast. Like the fact that you have your own YouTube channel, you're creating content out in the world is this macro play that I think you're making, right? Because you understand content. You're yep. on this podcast because of your YouTube channel. And yep. I know you met Sellerize because of you, the YouTube channel, yep. creating content. And then this could be for your brand or your personal brand or whatever, whatever business, our agency, if you have an agency, creating content has just massive long-term, uh, uh, ROI, you know, like we're putting this, we're creating a podcast and a video podcast at that so that it lives forever. And, you know, people find us and then they find Adam and they find us and they come and they hire butter and all that stuff. Content, content is just such a massive evergreen play and it can be for your products specifically, and it can be for your business and for your brand. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's one of the highest leverage things you can do in life. I mean, it's just, and it's powerful as hell. It's crazy, actually. It doesn't, you may not notice it day one, week one, month one, year one, but like the snowball's real and it does have this cascading domino effect that just kind of really piles into something super special. So, but yeah, brother, it was awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to The Hero Shot. If you found this conversation valuable, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Send any ideas, questions, requests, or feedback to podcast at butter.la. You can also follow us on Instagram for the latest from Butter. See you next time.